Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, March 15th, is that yes, the day? Yes, Where the Ides of March. Yeah, and it's it was a beautiful couple of weeks here. Spring break was very springy, mm, it and was. then and then it got to this junk. I woke up with snow we on got, my car this morning. We got stabbed in the back with snow on the Ides of March. And Tim knows that hey, there are a few things that I hate less or more. Did I say this the right way? There's few things that I hate more than scraping snow off of my car. You really do. Like I'm, an, snows, I'm a curmudgeon. You you really you become like this I'm a salty snow-mudgeon. fellow. You really are a snowmudgeon. I like all the seasons. I just want to sit in my house and read books and eat pie and never have to deal with the outside world. But wouldn't but wouldn't snow like induce that? What it what would Tolkien think of that statement? There actually is some quotes on like loving snow and why adults don't like snow and why kids do. It's be, yeah, we don't have to get into that. Yeah, they From love Lewis. it. Lewis has some quotes on that. But something that might order some proper sentiments. Oh, oh, that's good. oh. I don't need this in my life right now, Tim. So all that to say, happy happy Tuesday. We're recording this on Monday night. So uh, what we want to do is we just want to cap. We just finished another guest speaker. We had uh, Doug Brown, Dr. Doug Brown, for some Doug's Pensational Theology, which mm. I'm not, it's not quite as good as Newmanology, but I like Doug's Pensational Theology. I thought the, yeah, the name so if you've been good. tracking with us, we just ha- we've finished three episodes with Dr. Doug Brown. And we have another special guest coming up later in this episode that you'll get to enjoy, and uh, we're not going to tell you who it is. You have to listen to find it out. But before we do that, we want to take some time to answer some emails. We do get your emails. We don't always diligently respond to them during the uh, academic year, but we do get them, and we read them, and we'd like to... uh, We have three emails we're going to reference slash read and then give an answer to. So... You guys can pick where we start. So Jill Blanc wrote in, wondering about Bible timelines, and uh, Stearns and I are both going to make some recommendations here. Uh, Rose Publishing has a little pamphlet. It's like $4. It's really cheap, and it's basically a really beautifully illustrated timeline. I sell lots of them in the bookstore. Uh, People put them in their Bibles. Uh, It just kind of is a quick, easy reference when you're working through a historical book and you run into some kind of king, and you're like, "Where, where is this guy in the world? And that timeline can really help you just uh, uh, gives you something to put that king on. So it gives you some kind of a historical reference. So the Bible Timeline pamphlet by Rose Publishing is a helpful resource. Secondly, a lot of times a good study Bible has a timeline in it. One of my favorite study Bibles is the HCSB study Bible. It's also been printed as a KJV study Bible and a New King James Version study Bible. At the beginning of each chapter, they include a timeline. Um, So that's just something you can just flip to at the beginning of that book and boom, there it is. Yeah, so, and just one more reference. So when Jill's asking about this, she's referring to that Dr. Brown was using that in his reference, and I also had the same thing happen uh, where I needed that. Well, my shout out to my mom. She bought the, it's literally like what you were just saying by Rose Publishing, Tim, but she bought the the Rose Book of Bible Charts, Maps, and Timeline, Timeline 10th Anniversary Edition. And I was over at her house like six months ago, and it is a treasure trove of these kind of things. So I actually have it now. So if you want to drop more than $4, uh, like maybe $30, $30, but it's great. It's got the genealogy of Jesus, 
uh, a map of like the <clears throat> various places in the Bible, but there's a number of timelines, a number of illustrations, talks about Christianity, cults, and religions, different denominations, compares Islam and Christianity. There's overviews of the books of the Bible, how we got the Bible. There's just a whole bunch of really helpful resources, and I've used it, and I really like that too. So if you want to, mm-hmm. if you want to drop a lot of money, uh, a lot more, I would say, then that that's another good option. Okay, what is the next email? Is it Jared Laux? Hey guys, looking for a piece of advice. Do you know of any good kids' studies through the book of Revelation? We're almost done with John, and my seven-year-old wants to go through Revelation. Thanks in advance, the coffee brewmaster himself, Jared Laux. Do you know of any good studies through the book of Revelation? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think there's anything really for, for kids. a seven-year-old. For kids, yeah. Yeah, there are some Bible studies. MacArthur has a Bible study. That could be really good. Uh, you could even maybe use MacArthur's Bible study as something to build off of, and then you could kind of tailor it for your child. So, But that's the best uh, recommendation that I have. I know we referenced a while back. Uh, I'm not sure what program, but they were talking about the kingdom, and obviously that comes with a lot of um, baggage sometimes. And so, uh, yeah, we'll get back to you if we find anything on that one, Jared. Last email here, which is not super serious, but it is from... Greg Gosnell, and he said, uh, well, it's not a question, it's a suggestion about making Thinklings t-shirts. And Greg, you read our minds. We want to let all of our listeners know that there will be t-shirts on the way, and here is what they're going to say. It's going to say, obviously, I have a Thinklings logo, but it's going to say, Do we really want to commit to this yet? Well, okay, here's, I'll say what I want to has. This is Charlie's idea. Maybe if you have a better idea. It's still got to go to committee. I want to say, I want the t-shirt to say, I am a 10 on the Thinkling's goodness scale. But maybe that's not what we would do. Greg, you want to have a t-shirt with like the books and business on it. Books and business, man. (laughs) Books and business. And I I, I don't know. I would rather do the, I'm a 10 on the Thinkling's goodness scale. But yes, we are planning to make t-shirts in the near future. And uh, we have discussed some ideas of maybe doing a live podcast night. And so just stay tuned to some of those. If you haven't followed our Facebook page, you need to follow our Facebook page. We also have a Twitter account. Um, We don't really update them other than just when we post episodes, but just stay tuned. Some of those things will be coming down the pike probably when we get into season three, which would be end of the summer starting next fall semester. And if you like the podcast, Give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts and wherever you're listening to the podcast. That really helps get the word out too. Should we? Should we? We've talked about doing like a like a giveaway with that. Should we? Should Go we just it. do sure. it? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Here's what we're gonna say. Today is March fifteenth. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm opening up on my phone right now. If you've already given us a five star review on Apple, you you're gonna be entered in. Okay. You're already there, but you have to leave a five star and you have to leave a good comment for this to count. But we'll, we'll go to the end of March. If you leave a five-star review, like you rate us five stars, and then you have a comment about how great the podcast is, all of those people on Apple that have done that at the end of March will put all of those names into a hat, draw them out, three. I'm getting th- maybe four or five. <laughs> three. Tim is the, he's the manager. He's three. We'll give away three mugs, and we'll send you mugs. We'll, we'll draw out some names, but you have to rate us five stars on Apple and leave a comment. I'm not sure what Spotify or Google, if they have things like that too. I'll look into that. So if you're <laughs> in one of those other platforms, I'll, I'll try to find it, but mainly this is for Apple. So 
That being said, we're looking forward to you. You will enjoy the next couple episodes with this next guest. We loved it. Uh, you will too. Yeah. He's a good guy and uh, a lot of great content. So thanks for listening. Welcome to the Thinklings podcast. We're excited to be here in the middle of another blizzard. <laughs> we keep almost, recording during those, don't we? Yeah, but we do. It's warmer this time. It's the closest <laughs> I've come to a very grave accident on my way to on the way to the school this morning. Mm. So, yeah. So we have another special guest here that we'll reveal in a, a few short moments. But before we do that, we have some Thinklings business to tend to. Books in business. Books in business. Okay, I'll go first. So I'm still working through the making of an atheist, how immorality leads to unbelief. And I'm, I'm not ready to give it a goodness scale rating yet, but I'm about halfway through and it's really good. I think what I'm going to do is withhold most of my comments and we'll make it a whole episode sometime. But what he does is he looks at the reasons atheists say they don't believe. And he do, he's doing a really good job of showing that on their own standards, they can't actually be consistent. And so then he's bringing up the issue of, well, wonder why that is. And he's got some interesting studies. So um, I'll just leave it at that. It's going to be a quick one today, but... I'm still working through that. It's been really good. So no goodness scale? Not yet. I'm almost done with it. Once I'm done, I'm going to give it a good scale. Can you give a forecast? Uh, oh, it's going to be over five easy. Okay. I, I would say up in the, up in, if you're in apologetics, for sure, for sure, I think you should be in the eight, nine, or ten. If you're not, if you're not into apologetics, I think it's strong seven, I think, at this point. Sounds good. Um, so you sent us good. some quotes on yeah. the chat line, and that, it looks really, really good. Very interesting. Yeah. I he, he does, copy. he takes, um. I don't want to give it away because a lot of what he says, I want to give it good context. So it's really good, though. I mean, if you can get a hold of it, go for it. I have uh, Baptist Distinctives by Kevin Bowder here. Uh, this is a book that was really helpful for me as I thought through, especially church polity, the relationship between congregational rule and pastoral authority. That area specifically is worth the price of the book and something that you might want to um, even refer back to on several occasions. He uh, kind of explains how the pastor leads. The pastor leads by uh, through the word, through the proclamation of the word and the teaching of the word of God. And the pastor leads by his example. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was something, at least at that time when I was reading through it, that I hadn't quite pieced it all together. I'm sure I had been taught it several, uh, several times, but it really helps solidify for me the, the, the balance I don't know if balance is the right word, but the relationship between a congregational rule and then a pastor's authority. So I really recommend this book. I actually, I'm horrendous. I haven't read the whole thing. I read through the Baptist Distinctive section. <laughs> There's like two parts to it, and so I made it through the first part, but didn't get through the second oh, part yet. <laughs> Best laid <I'm>, plans. <laughs> but I'm still going to give it a nine on the, the Thinkling's Goodness Sale. This is really something, if you're a Baptist, that you should really read. And if you're not a Baptist, well, you should read it anyway and think about that. Dr. Rathbun and I use that in Baptist history. So it's really, I really like that book. Yeah, it's a textbook here at Faith, and so students, it'll be hard for you to get through uh, your undergraduate degree at Faith without getting a copy. Okay, I have the easiestly, uh, the most boring book I've brought to Books and Business uh, since we started this podcast. It is Your Guide to Writing Quality Research Papers for Students of Religion and Theology. Uh, her name is really interesting, Nancy Jean I don't know if it's Weimeister or Vmeister. I like to think it's Vmeister. But yeah, it's a, it's a book about writing papers and, and doing quality research. And there's a section in here that talked about reading, and we've talked about that a lot on the podcast before. And so these were her suggestions for uh, quality reading. And I thought they were interesting and, and helpful. Uh, read in an appropriate place, 
uh, is number one. Get a book nook. Get a book nook. Oh, your book yeah, nook is so two. awesome. So uh, check. I've done that. Uh, read when you are most apt to be awake and alert, and I do not do that. <laughs> that one. <laughs> most of my most of my work is late at night, so uh, oh for uh, one for two. I think it's helpful to have a book by the bedside. Yeah, you just grab something as your wife is getting ready for bed, or anyway. Well, it's nice too having like I have a Kindle app on my phone, and so like I can pull open a book anywhere I go. I don't so, like looking you at a screen. Said that in front of Doctor Little. You can't talk about that. That's it the, is what the it app is. that must not be named. It's, it has to happen. Horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> the app that shall not be named. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, number three is alternate periods of study with moments of relaxation and physical exercise, <laughs> which uh, I got the relaxation one down. I don't alternate <laughs> with physical exercise. Walk to the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yes. That's your exercise. That, that is my exercise. For you, wiping your snow or the snow off your car. Yes. So uh, I could do better with that one. Uh, take notes of what you read, and this is actually the one that I thought was really, so I, I didn't do this for a great portion of my undergrad, and then when I got into seminary, I realized, you know, I really should be writing what I'm thinking while I'm doing this to track, and that, that, that changes everything, and so that's probably, I think, the best tip she has is to take notes, and she has some, some tips on that. And then number five is do not wait until you feel like reading or studying. Make yourself a schedule and stick to it. Which I do think that's pretty helpful. And Stearns, you kind of do that, don't you? I do. I try to. Um, actually, it's, this whole thing you're saying, like you're not really excited about the book, but you just found something really useful in the book you were required yeah. to read even though you didn't want to. So that's like, I think that's actually a good lesson. There. Yeah, it is. And uh, also, this is a great segue into our guest because the reason I'm reading this book is because I have just started my D-Men. And last night, we're at this conference, and our special guest said that he started his D-Men in, correct me if I'm wrong, 1987? That's correct. That's correct. So tell us, who are you, special guest? Introduce yourself. Oh, my name's Kevin. Kevin. And uh, <laughs> why don't we fill that one out a little bit? <laughs> so where are you from, Kevin? <laughs> Uh, born, born in Michigan, uh, moved to Iowa as a teenager, um, went to, went to college in Iowa, spent my uh, young manhood in Colorado, um, went to Texas for uh, further study, presently in Minnesota. There's an old Johnny Cash song, I've Been Everywhere Man. <laughs> yes, that's kind of my personal testimony. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> I didn't know you started out in Michigan. I think you're journey from Iowa then to all over. Yeah, I grew up in the Saginaw area. All right. Huh. Yeah, Beautiful up there. Um, yeah, so you came to school here at Faith, right? I was a student at Faith from 1973 to 1979. And what, what were your big takeaways from that? Uh, Biggest takeaway was a wife. I knew, Amen. <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> Who's your wife? Debbie. Debbie? The and, former, uh, former Debbie Wright from Milo, Iowa. And she knew what she was getting herself into. No, right? no, 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 no. <laughs> Does any woman know what she's getting herself into? <laughs> I, I married the Iowa farmer's daughter. I think that's the problem that I have persisting, is they do know what they're getting themselves into. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here, Dr. Bowder. We're, we've looked forward to this, and we'll say we are recording this uh, during the Refresh Conference. We've uh, stolen away for a, a little moment. And uh, Dr. Bowder, you spoke last night from 2 Corinthians 4, and uh, I, I was greatly encouraged by that. Thank you. 
And uh, why, why did you, uh, were you asked to speak from that text or did you, were you drawn there? Personally? No, I was, I was only given the general theme of the conference and, and um, told that the real purpose of the conference is to be an encouragement. And in reflecting back on some of my own ministry experiences, I, I thought, you know, there are going to be a certain number of pastors here who are really facing tough times and who are ready to throw in the towel. And I've been there, and, and I want to give them something that will help them under those circumstances. And that's what I was trying to do. Whether it happened or not, I don't know. I'm the worst person to judge that. <laughs> well, you have a tall task when you're, you're speaking right after the dinner. <laughs> and so, I mean, I know what I was experiencing. It's just like, oh, you know, I have a lot of carbs, and uh, now my body says it's time to sleep. Sure. But uh, you, you, uh, you, you kept me with you, so I think that's a... That's a wonderful thing. So, um, yeah, we, we are in books and business. I don't know if you've had the chance to listen to any of these segments before, but do you have any books that you've been reading recently that you could add into our books and business? Or not recently. I read yours a while ago. Recent is a, is a generous term. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, the book I'm working my way through right now, I'm about halfway through uh, Albert Schweitzer's uh, History of the Synoptic Tradition. And uh, it's, it's a very interesting book. It's uh, 100 years old, more than 100 years old now. Uh, but he synopsizes the, the whole controversy over the historical Jesus up to his point in time, which would be early 20th century. Uh, it, it was a landmark book. It's still a book that we build on. Uh, and I, I had read synopses of it before, but I'd never taken the trouble to read the original work, and uh, I'm working my way through that right now. So does he go through, like, the different Gospels and create a synopsis? No, what, oh. what he deals with, he's, he starts with uh, Ramirez uh, as, as an, the, the earliest of the German critics who deals with what becomes the problem of the historical Jesus. And um, he, he goes critic by critic up through the mainly German tradition, uh, he's, he's got uh, one or two French figures in there, and Stranach, for so instance. So it's, it's kind of like a history of all of that critical thought? It's, it's a history of the critical thought. Um, and what he's eventually trying to do, you know, there, there's, there's this conflict in, in the, uh, the, the development of the critical tradition, uh, tr trying to look at the Gospels purely as historical documents, uh, and, of course, the critics went into it without supernaturalistic assumptions. They're, they're trying to, to treat Jesus as merely a historical figure. You, you end up with, with two major perspectives. One insists that Jesus has a messianic consciousness and that he is primarily motivated by eschatological concerns. The other insists that, that the historical Jesus really had no messianic consciousness that, that he was essentially just a moral teacher, uh, which, of course, is the now antique liberalism. Uh, and what Schweitzer is doing is arguing against the, the, the uh, moral teacher position in favor of the eschatological position. Uh, and this, this really represents one of the books. We usually credit Bart, Karl Barth, with blowing up the, the old liberalism. But this is really a major work that, that dealt a devastating blow to the old liberalism uh, and, and opened the door then for the neo-orthodoxy and the various existential theologies that came after that. Interesting. So 
you say you're working through it, so you're not you're not finished with it yet. I'm about halfway through right now. So you don't have to, but we like to do something with books here. We like to put them on our arbitrary goodness scale. And so at, at any level, to be on the scale, we're saying this book is good, it's worth worth your time, to varying levels. So if you if you just, you know, without any other background, you say, where would I throw that on a Thinkling's goodness scale? And if you well, t- tell me what your scale is. One to ten. One, ten, one to ten. Yeah. Ten being you're going to own it and read it multiple times, and a one being... Yeah, okay. It but was good. some things don't get on the scale because we like that's not a good book or whatever. No, uh, well, in in this case, if if I were if if I were deeply into Jesus studies, yeah. If I were a Daryl Bach, for instance, mm-hmm. this this is a book with which I would be forced to grapple, and yes. I would read it multiple times. Mm-hmm. In in my case, because that's not a particular area of research and interest, this mm-hmm. is probably the only time I'm going to read it. Uh, in in terms of agreeing with Schweitzer, Schweitzer right. is liberal. Liberal. He's anti supernatural. Mm-hmm. He, he was a brilliant, brilliant man. Uh, you know, give him full credit for that. But he, he was not what I would consider to be a devout man in the sense of a believing Christian. So if you're looking for orthodoxy, it, it comes out somewhere close to zero on the scale. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the other hand, if you're looking for a cogent discussion of how that whole discussion developed over more than a century yeah. prior to Schweitzer, I give it a 10. Yeah, I, I mean, that's it's the really one. a stupendous work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, well, that's, that's a good assessment. Yeah. So. It's really neat to see you reading even books outside of your discipline. I mean, your discipline's theology, and this is a really a New Testament uh, his, his, history of interpretation kind of a book. Well, I, I deal with this topic when I teach Christology. I think oh, you have okay. to. You know, C.S. Lewis that sets up the classic trilemma. G- Jesus is either a, a legend. Uh, no, he's either a liar or a lunatic or he's the Lord. But in fact, the, the, the critical studies, and Mormons are big on this today, and Muslims are big on this today, they're going to add the category of legend. Um, so you've, you've got to deal with that issue. Was, is, is the Christ of faith just a legend? And Schweitzer is one of the main foci for that conversation. You've got to deal with him. So I, I deal with that topic. Of course, it's a big topic for New Testament introduction. Uh, and in our, our institution, that's taught by Dr. John Pratt, and, and John deals with it at extensive uh, length. But in, in my case, I, not all of our students take NTI. So I, I try to deal with it in short form in Christology as well, and to explain, you know, if, if we try to do a Christology purely from beneath, we might end up with this. But in fact, we're also doing a Christology from above. Uh, you know, we, we start out affirming a supernatural Christology. Did he even say where he's teaching right now? I don't believe so. So yeah. Oh where, yeah, where yeah. I'm I'm a prof at Central Baptist Theological Seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, was for about eight years the president of Central Baptist Theological mm-hmm. Seminary. Uh, now I'm just a cog in the wheel. <laughs> I, I get to go to my classes, get to teach my classes, and stay out of meetings. And well, not all of them, <laughs> uh, not as many as I'd like, but I don't have to go to the really important ones, and it's mm-hmm. my pleasure. To be the last person really to know what's going on in the institution. Amen. You are blessed. The most coveted of all positions. <laughs> <laughs> so that actually leads me. So we're going to get into some questions. If you're listening to this, we're, we're going to have a bunch of questions we're going to walk through that'll that'll have some fun discussion. But as you mentioned, central. That is one thing I wanted to mention before we get into the the, the heart of this is that you were a professor for both Andy and Tim. Mm-hmm. Correct. 
Yeah, so. And I'm not even embarrassed by that. Amen. <laughs> well, I want, I want to hear, because I, want, I just oh, want to no. hear about Oh, no, this. no, no. I want to hear, like, we were this like is the not worst in the show students, notes, can you Can you remember your first what? impressions of these guys? Can you remember any goofy quirks or stories? Like, I, I want to hear from the professor's viewpoint about the, because I've seen it from the other side. I've had them as professors, but I just, I'm so curious. You see, now, what, what you're asking is, is like asking a pastor to tell the secrets that he's heard in counseling, oh, and what? we just don't do that. What a wise man. This, well, as a pastor, we don't do that. But on the Thinklings podcast, we might just crack the door just a bit. Oh, they, they were both exceptional students. They, they I'm were. not laughing because I disbelieve, but... You can disbelieve. Okay. They, they were wonderful, warm-hearted men. Look at that pastorly tone I, that he got out yep, there. Uh-huh. He knows exactly what to know. say. I, what I, a wise man. Hey, now, here's the deal. When our college students ask you guys... What was Charlie like in class? And I expect that type of response. Oh, man. <laughs> you, you completely trapped Tim and I. Like, we didn't know this was coming, and now we oh, have I know. to be nice to you based on the fact that Dr. Bowder was nice to us. You don't have to. You... That's a no, no, no. That's, that's a non sequitur. <laughs> oh. Hey, he just gave us permission. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and objectively, you guys were probably much better students. It's probably truer. That statement's truer of you than it is of me that you, you, all, you were exceptional students. So... You know, no, take we weren't. Words. We weren't exceptional students. No. <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah, we I, learned a lot still, even though we weren't very yeah. good students. There's a lot of grace there. So I, I distinctly remember one class, theological method. I don't know what we were talking about, and you were explaining <laughs> it. And I remember saying, "I, I can feel my the front lobe of my brain," and I think that became like the joke for the rest of the week or something like that. So oh, it was, we, it was heavy all, level thinking. <laughs> we all went through that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can remember starting out PhD studies in Dallas. One of, one of the first courses I took was, was that course. We had one on hermeneutics, and we had one on theological method. Uh, and of course, at that time, the big figure that we had to deal with was Hans Georg Gadamer. And I remember oh. I, w- I was And you made us deal with that. Thank you very oh, yeah, much. Yeah, B- because he's, he's a pivotal it. figure. Uh, but I, I was working at the time uh, at a check printing company, and uh, I, would, I would try to do some of my reading at break time and at lunch, and I can remember sitting at the lunch table, and I'm not reading Gadamer. I'm reading a commentary on Gadamer that's Warren supposed Keen? to help you oh. understand what's going on. You made oh. us read Warren Key. We had to read Warren Key. Yeah, this, oh. this, it wasn't Warren Key, but I, oh, okay. I did read Warren Key in those days. <laughs> but I'm sitting there, and I, I read, I'm, I'm reading this book, and I get through an entire page, and it occurs to me, I have no idea what I just read <laughs> on this page. So I go back and read it again. That was Warren Key to us. I and mean, and we get to the end of the page, life. and I have no idea. And so I go back again. I'm, I'm reading it a oh. third time. Mm-hmm. And I remember reaching the end of the page the third time and thinking, I have a suspicion that this isn't intended to be understood. I think this <laughs> author is playing an elaborate joke on the entire academy. <laughs> But that was not true. They were trying to be they, understood. They were well. I don't know that they were really trying to be understood. But they, they, this particular author did have something to say. In in the long run, I got it. But uh, well, long run, I think we got Warnke too. After diagramming yeah. out the sentences and marking the subjects and the verbs and talking about it amongst we, ourselves, we were literally doing like sort of a sentence outlining. But right. I do remember actually in that class, what was really helpful is I think I was lamenting like. How is this going to, like, what's going wrong with me or whatever? And you said, you got to realize you're on the steep end of the learning curve. And you gave me, you helped me to see that at the beginning, you're building this thing from the ground up, and it's going to be hard. But then eventually you start to catch up. And 
So that was actually really encouraging. Yeah, and that's, that's how it is with every discipline, isn't it? Yep. When, yeah. when yeah, you start really out and there's so much to learn, it's like you're being thrown into the water and you, you, you don't know what to grab for. Uh, so, so you just you, you try to be patient with yourself. You keep reading, and eventually things start to come together. Right. So, student, there you go. All right. Yep. So if you feel like, I don't understand what this is talking about, hey, we've all been there. You just keep plugging away, read it again, talk to a professor, talk to your friend, discuss it with somebody, and have fun learning. And don't, don't just read it again. Go read something else. Yeah. Read something related. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that's something that when I finally figured out, reading a guide about something is almost crucial at times. Actually, Abolition of Man. Like, mm -hmm. I, we had read that, yeah. and I had to read a guide a couple of times, and then I got Abolition, but man. Well, that actually, there, there was something we just mentioned, reading something multiple times. I think you mentioned yeah. in a recent episode mm -hmm. um, that was Dr. Bowder yeah. had said to you, referring to Saving the Appearances by Owen Barfield, that it doesn't really get good until you've read it three or four times. For about the third, to that yeah. I think, I think you said, well, Barfield doesn't really get very profitable or understandable until about the third time. And yeah. I remember just melting, thinking, I got to read this three times. And yeah, so my question, good advice. I, I, I've delved into Barfield, I think, decently extensively. And uh, I, I'm just curious. I want to talk about Saving the Appearances, just for a moment. What, what would you say is your big takeaway from that book? Oh, you're, you're asking me to reach back. It's, it's been 25, 30 years <laughs> since I read Saving the Appearances. Good. We have a lot of other questions. Let's go to some of them. But the, the, the big takeaway <laughs> is that what you see is not what you get. Yeah. Mm. Um, that, that, that apparent reality isn't reality. And if you, if you recall, he starts out using um, the, 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 the illustration, the metaphor of the rainbow. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you look at the rainbow and you think you're seeing something, but the closer to it you get and the more you actually examine the reality, the less it's like a rainbow. Yeah. And, and he, he's not saying that, that all of our perception works in exactly that same way. What he's saying is that, that what we perceive, that, that, that the appearances aren't the realities. Yeah. Yeah, and just to put this in a little bit of a context for you, if you're listening, you're like, who is Owen Barfield? This would have been a younger contemporary in the Inklings with C.S. Lewis, and I will say Tolkien, and I learned to Very say good. Tolkien from Dr. Bowder about four or five years ago. I heard him say that. I was like, huh, why doesn't he say Tolkien? And so maybe you can explain that if you want. But uh, that's who Owen Barfield is. is he's, he's a younger contemporary in the Inklings, and uh, another question about not, not just a younger contemporary, Barfield, more than any other single individual, was responsible for Lewis coming to Christianity. Yeah. Oh, yes, very yeah. influential. And uh, have, have you read any of Barfield's fiction? No, I don't think I have. Oh, okay, so he has a book, Night Operation. He does what Lewis does with the Space Trilogy and the Abolition. He takes, I think this book, Night Operation, and he tries to depict Saving the Appearances. Books and business. Oh, I'm going to have to look for that. It's fascinating. And, and it's... Is it on Kindle? Uh, I believe so. Oh, yeah, okay. Because we, we all use Kindle. <laughs> horrendous. Actually, I have it on my phone. We got a horrendous. <laughs> okay, no, let's go to our questions. We're like yeah. running out of time. Well, I just, I, I can't have Dr. Bowder at the table. I try to bring up Owen Barfield, and you guys just, well, Tim especially, just rolls his eyes at me. So when I have Dr. Bowder at the table, I have to ask about Barfield. So... I got it out. I'm good. So we can jump into the rest of the questions. So have you read much Charles Williams? I, uh, I have read The Everlasting Man. Is that? No, that's no, not that's, Williams. No, that's Chesterton. Um, Chesterton. What's, is it? I can't think of the title. I have one Williams book. Okay, Williams, Williams is harder to find. 
than than the other okay. inklings. He's on the top ten list, is he not? Lewis's top ten. He he got Lewis had a, like a list of top ten books, and Carter bought them all. And he wrote it for a paper in my class. It was a good paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't I don't know of any books that there's, Williams there's ever a, there has is read. a there's one Williams book I've read, and I know right where it is on the shelf, and I can't remember what the title of it is. <laughs> okay, Williams is really really different. The best way to explain he's best known for his fictional works. He's got about a half a dozen, maybe seven. Um, what what to call them? Almost occult fantasies. Occult, not in the sense of uh, um, you know that he's he's tied into witchcraft, but occult in the sense that he's lifting the veil and peering into the unseen world. Interesting. Uh, as as part of what's going on in this world. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and the book that is on Lewis's top ten is the book Descent into Hell, which is the book that I probably read. the best of his books. If yeah. if you want a, a really serious metaphorical depiction of human sin and mm. what it does, oh. of, of the way that sin disintegrates the personality. Mm-hmm. It's, mm. it's a marvelous work viewed from that angle. Yeah, and again, mm-hmm. and just so this is another one of the, I mean, I would say, you know, the, how do you say the main inklings? Because it's a, it's a large cropping, but Williams, Barfield, Tolkien, and Lewis are kind of the, some main figureheads of that, of that, of those, those guys. Um, so if, you're, if you've heard of talking about inklings, and it's what our, our podcast is named after, in a sense. Like these are those guys that they all hung out and talked about books and writing, and so yeah. Williams was a big part of that. He huh? came late to the table. Early on, uh, Lewis's closest friendship was with Tolkien, and I pronounce it that way because I believe it's the way he pronounced it. Yeah. Um, later on, Williams comes to the table, and Williams sort of edges out Tolkien as uh, Lewis's closest friend. But then Williams dies early. In in fact. Um, one one of uh, Lewis's works is a collection of essays in honor of Charles Williams. I mm. believe published after his death. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. Man, we could just. I just want to keep asking Thinklings, Inklings questions, but we'll we'll move on. Should, should we move to the reading question? Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. part of part of why we do what we're doing here is um, I had four classes in my THM with you, and then when I came back, anytime I'd be around you at a conference or whatever, if we had more than a couple of minutes you would invariably ask me or the group around us, the, the talking point question was, oh, so what are you reading, Andy? And it was always a good moment for me if I had a book I was reading because I didn't have to, you know, <laughs> act all, oh, well, you know. <clears throat> the Bible. But it had an... Okay, now, before you go any further with that, mm-hmm. if, if you come ask me that question, my answer is going to depend because I have found that I can't read and write at the same time. Huh, oh. interesting. If, if I'm writing... Um, I almost completely stop reading. If I'm involved in a major writing project, it's like I obsess on, wow. on the writing, and hmm. reading huh. comes almost to a complete halt. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's actually where we're going with the question. That, that was very helpful for me because it made me, it kept me thinking, hey, people who have helped me read books, and I need to read books, and what am I doing? I'm playing video games, or I'm goofing off, or I'm wasting time. So part of the what we did as a group of three friends a couple of years ago is we just get together and talk about what we're reading to encourage one another. So can you talk to us about your reading habits? So it sounds like if you're writing, you're not reading. When you are in a reading mode, do you have any tips for our listeners or uh, what your reading discipline look like? Do you, do you have an order you go in? Do you just kind of pick whatever book is interesting to you at the time? Give us some thoughts on reading. Actually, there's a, uh, the, the, the workshop that I'm doing later this afternoon. I'm going to be talking about this exact topic. Oh, beautiful. Um, Ooh. But... The first first thing I do, I keep a log. 
of my reading, at least the okay. book reading that I do. I, I've never kept a log of all the articles mm -hmm. that I read. That, that would just be overwhelming. But uh, the, the books that I read, I try to keep a log so that I, I know what I've completed. And I aim to read in rotation. This, this goes, Tim, to your earlier comment about uh, reading outside my discipline. Mm -hmm. I aim to read outside my discipline. Right. Um, I, I have several categories. Um, obviously, theology is one of those categories. Biblical studies is one of the categories. Philosophy is one of the categories. Devotion is one of the categories. I, I've got three or four more categories. Mm -hmm. and, and what I try to do, I try to pay attention um, that, that on, on a regular basis, I am rotating each of those categories through my reading mm -hmm. uh, so, so that I, I keep, keep variety sure. in my reading. Bellatristic literature is, is one of those categories. Pat uh, patristic? Bellatristic. Oh, bellatristic. Uh, Bellatra is, is, think fiction, but don't think like murder mysteries or westerns. Okay. Al although I enjoy murder mysteries and westerns too, yeah. that you, you know, you talk about guilty pleasures. That's, that's, <laughs> those are two of my guilty pleasures. Hey, we were going to ask you what your guilty pleasures were. Yeah, well, that, those, those, those are among them. Um, but bellatristic literature would be, you know, great literature, art literature. Mm. Huh. Um, I, I, I try to read through the, the you know, the, the Western, not, not just even the Western canon, uh, but, but even some of the Eastern canon when yeah. it comes to literature. Is this like the great books? Uh, it idea. would be Is like the great books like of literature, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, so so uh, that, that's the backbone uh -huh. of my reading program. Uh, in terms of pace, I try to read no, no fewer than a volume a week. Um, and and I, I try to, of course, you can read longer or shorter books. Right. And I try to balance that so that I come out with, with an average page length of at least 250 pages. Hmm. Um, now, now, last year, I was able to read over 100 volumes uh, in, in the course of the year. But uh, le leaving aside murder mysteries and westerns, uh, you know, whenever those happen to sneak in, I don't count those in, in my reading total. Uh, but, you know, ser serious works. Yeah. Do you, so do you have, um, is it like how you have like 10 irons in the fire at one time, or do you try to restrict yourself just to one book you carry with you at all, all places, or is it a mix? As a rule, I have to be a one-book reader. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, obviously... I don't, I don't get to determine all of my own reading. Reading gets thrust upon me because of you know, my job, my responsibilities, uh, often because somebody will come to me and hand me a book and say, this is important, I need to know what you think of this. Um, I resent that kind of reading, frankly. But um, I, you know, I do it, um, or at least a good bit of it. Listener, uh Charlie I didn't, was just pointing at Tim's dissertation. I didn't say he had to read it. <laughs> I, you know, I was just, you know, he di you didn't say it. Maybe you just said it with your eyes. I don't know. <laughs> no, how am I ever going to refute it if I don't read it? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> he thinks I'm wrong. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, so that's we, good. we have a bunch of follow-up questions there with the reading. Andy, do you just want to keep rolling through those? Yeah. Uh, okay, so you've talked about how many books you read, how you decide what to read. Um, if you have, if you know someone who doesn't, 
read and they know they want to read. And I mean, they're at the, the steep end of the learning curve we talked about. Do you have any advice for someone who's not a reader and wants to be a reader? Anything that helped you or that you've seen help other people? Okay, number one, start with what you like. Mm. Um, and, and start as easy as it takes. Number two, push yourself to read, start, starting with what's easy for you and starting with what you like. Reading is a skill, and you learn it by doing it, uh, and you learn it by doing it well. Push yourself to read more and push yourself to read faster. Fast, the, 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 the most boring reading is slow reading. Mm. Uh, if you can push yourself to read more rapidly, uh, that will help you in your reading. And actually, you should be pushing yourself to read at a pace where you feel like you're wondering whether you're actually getting what, what's on the page. That's, mm -hmm. that's probably when you're mm -hmm. actually getting it best, mm -hmm. and you're going to retain most of it, when, when you're just right on the edge there. I feel like that is, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe I need to slow down just a bit, but I like to read fast, especially uh, some, <laughs> of my, some of my work now. But uh. <sighs> All right, next question, what do we have? Uh, oh, by, by the way, by the way, back to that, for, for guys who just really don't like to read, or even, even for guys who do like to read, but they, they want to uh, maybe find ways to, to, to do more, I'm, I'm willing to say that there are a lot of recorded books out there these days mm, that you yeah. can be listening to. Audiovox uh, online has yeah. tons and tons of classic books that you can download free of charge and you know put them on your iphone uh go go out listen to them at double speed mm -hmm. um yep. which is also a skill um and and <laughs> it, you know what that's on, in my mind i wouldn't do that for something i had to read technically for class right. something that that yeah. i was going to teach but just just for general reading mostly that works just about as well I was talking to a pastor yesterday. I think he listened to a hundred books last year, something like that. Yeah, just working around the house on trips or whatever. He's just always listening to some book. More power to him. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine had a one-hour commute both ways every day. Uh, he was a teacher, and he had an Audible account, and I think he'd read like something in a three-year period, like some in the, like the seven hundred book neighborhood. But he could he could listen, like you said, really fast. So, I mean, if you, if you can listen to a good book, why would you listen to a podcast? Oh. Uh, horrendous. That is a valuable point. That is a valuable point. I, I got nothing. I At got a nothing certain over extent, here. it's more valuable for you to not listen to this podcast and re go read a book. That's a good but, point. You know, as as maybe good book. guilty pleasure, you know. Guilty pleasure, that's it. Murder <laughs> mysteries, westerns, Thinkling's podcast. I don't know. Maybe. Kill there you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so. Tim, why don't you grab one of your questions there? Uh, what's your, like, your favorite production, like an article, a book, or something like that? Uh, you, you mean, if, what, what do I really like to read if I, no. if I have a chance to choose my own reading? Like your production, like something that you've written. Oh. Of all of the books that you've written, or maybe just, uh, it could be an article as well that you've written. Of all of the stuff that you have put together, what might be like your favorite? The one that you really invested and thought you were oh like, uh, I, you know what i've got to confess i hate everything i've written <laughs> really i hate every sermon i've preached oh. i can't stand to listen to myself i can't once i've finished the proofreading and everything else i can't stand to read myself wow. but still it's beneficial i'm i hear you i hate listening to myself preach i just like oh you know but still i mean maybe just the best one that people have helped and helped by 
or maybe right. word it that you way? You know, it, it depends. It depends um, on what, what people, where people are at and what they need. Um, you know, the book on Baptist distinctives and New Testament church order I wrote to, to be of help to ordinary church people. Uh, you know, you're using it in a class here, but it really wasn't written to be a textbook. It was written for ordinary church members who want to understand better how a New Testament church should be functioning. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're interested in the history of fundamentalism, then the, the volume that I co-authored with Del Ney, uh, One in Hope and Doctrine, uh, is, is I, I, it's, it's the only version out there of that story. It's, it's the story that has not otherwise been told. Mm. Of fundamentalism from the from the nineteen oh, roughly nineteen hundred to about nineteen fifty. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know that's good. That's I, th good. I think they're solid enough works. Yeah, I've, I'm going to have one coming out. In, in fact, it could be off the press any day now that we're doing through Central Seminary Press. That is just a little book about a hundred pages on finding God's will, oh. and again, it's it's written specifically with ordinary church people in mind. I, I wanted to produce a book that a pastor could just hand to a church member who was struggling with making, making a big decision. Yeah. And, and this, this book, I wanted to be able to serve as a guide. Here's, here's how you walk through that decision-making process to try to come up with God's leading in your life. Yeah, we, we'll have to get that in our bookstore. That sounds really good. It's going to be in print print, right? Yes. You're saying good. that on Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, um, I, I really like your nick of time. Uh, the weekly essay that you write. I know other people have contributed, but primarily it's been you. I remember reading your, I think it was a poem on incarnation. Is that correct? Uh, that was really good. And Misery is my favorite. The story of the deer uh, in the in the Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I just, the, the first time I read that, it was a beautiful like point about uh, long earth creation versus young earth creation. It was really good. So when it, when it comes to writing, how do you carve out time to write? We all have aspirations at the table to write. We all have projects. I actually tried to blog, and then I had to. I had no time, and I'd quit. Uh, he's working on a project. He's actually written and published things. What advice do you have for people who want to write? You've done quite a bit of that. You, you keep up a, a steady pace, too. How do you do that? You just have to force yourself to do it. Oh, I was... If you want to do it, you've just got to force yourself to do it. You, you've got to have a venue to begin with. And, and to be truthful, a blog probably isn't the venue yeah. uh, that you want to use because a blog is so ephemeral. Uh, and nick, nick of Time is pretty ephemeral, too. Um, you know, it's, it's just a kind of a weekly bulletin that comes out from Central Seminary. Mm -hmm. And uh, most, most of those articles die uh, within a week. Um, you know, they don't have any long-term stamina. Although, there, there have been times when we have compiled them. And, right. well, yeah. for example, yeah. the little, little book mm -hmm. on Finding God's Will started out as a series of Nick of Time articles. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, Central Seminary published um, a volume of devotional theology uh, to which all of our faculty at the time contributed, but most of the essays in that book started out as Nick of Time articles mm -hmm. as well. So you know, par part of the thing is just continuing to go, you know, week after, day after day, week after week, just, just find time to write, mm -hmm. carve out a little time to write. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, 
talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.